You're listening to the weekly podcast of Citizens Church with Pastor Chris Norman. For more information on the work that God is doing through Citizens Church, please visit us online at citizenschurch.org. Ready? So let, let me set this up for you. Um, we just got done going, you know, celebrating 10 years. We're heading off into the next 10, 10 years and... Um, we're heading off even into this year, like it's 2024. And, and, and I, I want to help set the foundation for you. As a church, we want to set the foundation for you to, to have, listen, I want you to have your best year yet. Can we do that together? Yeah. Like, I, I want you to thrive. I, 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 want you, I want you to walk in all the riches that God actually intends for you to walk in. Like, that's our desire as a church. Now, I want when you get around Citizens Church, and it should be this way, I want you to know our heart. Like our desire is to come alongside you in, in, in your spiritual growth and development, to, to watch you fall more in love with Jesus than you've ever been, to, to watch you uh, walk with him in, in deeper ways than you ever have before, to watch you live in, I always talk about the more God has for you, but come on, I wanna help you live in that. I genuinely believe you can. I, I, I believe that you can in Christ um, continue just to move into the greater things God has for you. So I want to see you live in greater strength and in freedom than ever before. Amen. Can we do that together? I want, I want to see you thrive. I think so many people, they're just like, I'm just surviving. I'm just like getting by. I'm just like, I'm just, I'm just barely making it. I'm just, and God's going, no, I got more for you than just, just barely making it, than just surviving. God said, I want you to thrive. And so what I want to do in this series is Help you focus. There's something about focus. Someone say focus. I want you to focus on the things that matter in life so that you can thrive in life. Listen, I think a lot of us, we're focusing on things that don't matter. And, and, and you're wondering why, why life isn't getting any better, why things aren't changing. Because you got the wrong focus. You know, my, my dad used to walk up to me when I was doing 50 different things with my life and running all over, the, all over the place. Can you imagine me, like, running all over the place? And he would, he would hit me. He would come up and, and like, like kind of, just kind of dad check me, like, like this with his hand open. He goes, how's that feel? How's that feel? It feels like you're smacking me in the chest, pop. And then he would take his finger and he would point his fingers like this. He goes, how's that feel? I'm like, oh. See, it's focused. There's more, there's more energy there. There's more impact there. There's more. And dad says, I, I want you to move your life from this to this. Like, you get more done. You following me? You get more done with. Some say focus. Focus. Like, I, 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 I need you to focus so that you can this year be richer in life than you've ever been. You guys with me? Take a step toward it toward the riches of Christ. You know, the, the, the pursuit of riches is something humanity has always been driven by. You know, there's this desire to better our lives. Amen, there's this desire to better our lives and the lives of those we love. Like, we, we wanna prosper, we wanna flourish. Like, we, we desire that. It's not, like, it's not like you're setting off into this year going, man, I want it to be the worst year ever. I, I just wanna, I wanna fail at everything. I, I wanna be miserable by the end. Every one of us, I just wanna move toward better. And, and that is something that's innate inside of every human being. You know, in, in the gold rush of 1848, it had been 70 years, just 70 years, 
since the United States, since our country was founded. And in 1848, we were actually on the brink of economic failure. People were having a hard time making ends meet. There there was sort of a depression sitting over our country. And at that time, the, the population was about 20 million people. And the majority of those 20 million people lived on the, on the East Coast, the New York and everything else all along the East Coast. That is until one day when a man by the name of James Marshall started to dig up in Sutter Creek, something called Sutter Mill. And he was only, he was there just doing this because they were trying to, it was a farming uh, agricultural area and they were, they were creating a mill to grind the wheat and the different things that they would, that they would um, grow, the different crops. And as he went to dig this mill, uh, he saw something shining inside of this, of this river. James Marshall started to dig and he, he picked up some different uh, samples of what he found and he ran back to Mr. Sutter who owned all this land and he goes, goes sir, look what I found in, in, in the river and, and they, after some testing, discovered that, this is 1848, it was gold and, and they said to themselves, let's keep it to ourselves. But you know that quickly the rumors began to spread and all of a sudden people in San Francisco began to heal, hear that there's gold in them hills. And a guy by the name of Samuel Brennan went up to check it out for himself. He found some gold and listen to what he did. He came down to San Francisco and just, they, they say that he was like a madman running through the streets saying, there's gold in those hills, there's gold in those hills. Now, what Samuel Brunnen ended up doing is, instead of himself going up and digging for the gold, he created, his desire was to create this, this madness amongst people to go and try to mine the gold, and what he ended up doing was selling the materials you needed in order to get the gold. He became, listen to me, the first millionaire in the history of the U.S., selling the materials you needed to get gold. Well, that was happening in San Francisco and news began to spread all throughout the nation and a lot of people actually thought, oh, it's just a rumor, it's not really true, you've gotta be kidding me because think about it, economic recession, there's not a whole lot, you're, you're barely making ends meet and you're hearing rumors of people pulling out of the ground more money than you can make in a lifetime in a single week. And everyone thought it was a rumor until the then president actually uh, validated the fact that there was gold in California. And soon, papers all over the U.S. and the world were printing this, Eureka. What's it mean? I found it. It's a Greek word. It means I found it. Eureka, gold is found in California, and papers all over the nation and the world began to to feed this frenzy that Brunnen started. And that began, listen, the largest, to date, 
the largest mass movement of people in the history of the United States. Matter of fact, it's, it's 300,000 people in a very short amount of time rushed in to California. Matter of fact, the, the word Eureka, you might recognize it. It is actually on the California state seal. It says, you know, the, the seal of California, and then you just say, see, Eureka. Why? Because it's Eureka, the fact that we found it, that helped expedite California actually becoming a state because of the population that moved in to California. Eureka, we found it. Eureka, we found it. They found it and people moved toward it. And you know today, people are still moving toward it. We're trying to find it. There's something in us that longs to say it, right? We long to say Eureka. We long to say, like, I found the thing that values most. I found the thing that's made me rich. I found the thing, the one thing that changes everything. And that's what people were moving here in hopes of, of finding that one thing that would change everything. And you know every single one of us is still on that hunt. Jesus was once asked, Jesus by, a, by a, a teacher of the law. They said, Jesus, what's the one thing? Like, Jesus, if you could boil all things down to one thing, what is, what is the one thing? Like, if I find it, I find everything. If I, if I focus, come on, remember we said, someone say focus. If I focus my life, what am I to focus my life on? Jesus, what's the one thing? Where's the gold? Is what they're asking Jesus. And over in the book of Matthew, chapter 23, 23 verses, or 22 verse 36, it says this. Teacher, he says, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Like, boil it down for me, Jesus. What's, what's, what's the focus? What's the, what are the riches? What, what is it my heart is longing for? What is it, I, what is it that the, the one thing I find that will change all things for me? Jesus, what is that one thing? Boil it down for me. Jesus, there's a whole lot that your Bible talks about. But, but where do I focus? And here's what Jesus said, watch. Here's the gold. Pay attention to this. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. He went on. And he said, the second is like unto it. In other words, the second is in harmony with it. Meaning, meaning have you ever seen things in harmony that, that if, have you ever seen if you hit a, note on a, on a guitar, it rings at a certain level, and if you get out of a pitchfork or something else is tuned to that same uh, tone, it too will begin to shake, it too will begin to vibrate. Come on, you guys with me? Anyone with me? I mean, they're, okay, that's what happens, it's scientific, okay? Everybody with me? Because they're in harmony with one another, that's the word used here. The, the second is likened to it. In other words, when you're doing the one, you've got, it, the other, you've got to be doing the other. And when you're doing the other, you gotta be doing the one. So Jesus said the first one is to, it's, it's love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And the second is like unto it, are in harmony with it, goes along with it. You're to love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Everything boils down to these things. All the focus of, this is the goal. Like, if you get this, come on, church. If you get this this year, you get everything this year. If you get this with your life, you get everything with your life. Everything. See, we complicate it, don't we? 
We make it about so many things. And, and maybe it's this, and maybe it's more of that, and, and maybe I need, and maybe I, can I just stop you for a second and tell you what you need? Can I stop you for a second and tell you what you're longing for? Can I just stop you for a second and, and just please listen? I, I found gold. Jesus showed me where it was. I checked it out. I dug it out. And he's right, everybody. When you get this, you get everything. What's the this? Someone say relationships. Jesus, I've got a boy that just says, listen, you want to get something figured out? Get your relationship figured out. Get your relationship with God figured out. Get your relationships with others figured out. You want to spend your life focusing on what matters most? You want to spend your life focusing on what's going to make the biggest difference? You want to focus on the thing that is going to change everything for you? Are you ready? Relationships. Man, you have just got to learn to throw yourself into the love of God. Throw yourself into love for others. Just, just, just it, it, embrace all of it. Like, let go of any other pursuit in your life that is, that is secondary. Jesus would say this, listen, I know you got priorities. Come on, anyone got priorities? What are your priorities? Don't have to say them out loud. What are your priorities? What, what are your top 10 priorities? Think about it for a second. I'm good job, I'm having it. What, what are your top 10? Jesus says this, listen, listen. Your number one priority, above all those priorities, not just in your top 10 somewhere, it has to be, it needs to be. If you're gonna flourish in this thing called life, it's gotta be relationships. You've gotta get your relationships figured out. Do you know we were, we were made for this? Like it's, it's innate in who you are. That's why even as I'm sharing this with you, there's kind of like inside of you this Resonate, it resonates, like, yeah, it's true. I, I, I know I need to figure out my relationships. Because, listen, here, here's why. You, you know, over in the book of Genesis chapter one, in a, in a concept that I don't know that we'll ever fully understand on this side of heaven, God, for the first time in, in Genesis one, kind of introduces you to this, this thought. What, what he says, watch. God says in, in Genesis Chapter one, verse 26, God says, let us make mankind in our image. Let us make mankind. And scripture here is pointing to this idea, again, that I don't know that we'll ever understand on the side of heaven, that God is triune. God is three, but he's also one. Let us make man in our image. But then he would go on to the nation of Israel and say, uh, the Lord thy God is one. There is only one God. Is it three? Is it one? Is, is, are we talking three? Are we talking one? And God says, yes, three and one. Three and one. And again, I don't claim to understand that, but here's what we know about the triunity of God is that there are three, but there is one. There is, listen, in the triunity of God, this perfect, someone say communion. There's this perfect community. There's this perfect harmony. There's this, there's this perfect dependency. The, the word we, you hear it in church all the time, you hear people talk about fellowship. I'm gonna go to have some fellowship. We gotta go to fellowship, get into fellowship. You know where the word comes from? The word, the word it comes from a Greek word, koinonia. Have you heard that word before? 
And, and the word koinonia, it, it literally means that, that there's a togetherness. There's a, a, there's a bond, a deep bond with one another. There, there is, and then the other word for koinonia is, is communion. We just took communion this morning together as a church. And the early church would do that all the time. They would take communion. Why do we call it communion? Do you know why we call it communion? Because it's as we're participating in, in the focus on Christ and his death and resurrection at the cross. When we focus there, what it does is it brings us into a common union. There's just this, we have something together that unifies us, and it's Christ. It's his work on the cross. And so what we celebrate in communion is what Jesus did for us on the cross. Watch, I'm, I'm brought into relationship with Jesus by what he did on the cross, but I'm also united with my brothers and sisters by what he did on the cross. And we celebrate this deep sense of communion. See, we were created in the image of a triune God. We are created in the image of, a, of, of God who has perfect harmony and, and community within himself. And so now watch, because you were created in that image, you long for that image. Do you follow what I'm saying? Like you desire it. You, you want harmony with, but you, you want to experience communion. Because you were created in that image, you long for that image and, listen, you will only thrive in the growth of that image. You will only thrive in the development of that image within your life. Please don't let that over, just don't let that do that. I saw somebody, no. triune God created you in his image and you will forever be restless until you figure this harmony out, this community out. You're longing for it, and you will, this year and every year thereafter, only thrive when you're, come on, pursuing that, when, when you're engaged in that, when you finally realize that it, communion with God and communion with others, that it is the gold. Like, it is my focus. That is what I'm at. That's how I've been created in my innermost being. It's how I've been created to, to thrive. And, and, I, I, and I need you to see, I said it before. Come on, you with me so far, church? The structure is, is dependent. In other words, you can't do one without the other. He says, love God and love others. And, and, and the second is like it, love others. In other words, they, they need each other. You you can't fully experience what it is to love God or to walk with God. You can't fully grow and develop your relationship with God if you're not growing and developing your relationship with others. God says you can't, you can't thrive in your relationship with me unless you're thriving in your relationship with others. Is that what it said? That's exactly what it says. Isn't that interesting? That's why in Genesis in Genesis, when he created Adam, listen, think about it. Adam has perfect harmony and unity with God. Do you agree? Like, they're, they're, he's walking with God. And a lot of people say, all you need is God. Well, all Adam had was God. But the next thing out of God's mouth is, it is not good for man to be alone. Hold up, God. He's got you. Doesn't all he need is you? Don't a lot of well-meaning Christians tell you that? All you need is God. All you need is God. God said, 
That's not true. God said, yeah, you need a whole lot of me, but in order to experience all of me, you've got to watch live out that experience of me in the context of people who are doing life around me. Like you can't fully experience all that I am without you experiencing all that this is. You've got to have others. It is not good for man to be alone. You, you tap out when it's, when it's just you and God. You only go so far. He says you're gonna need others. So they're interdependent. Like, I, I can't fully love God unless I'm loving others. And it goes the other way around. You don't know what it's like. I'm telling you right now, you don't know what it's like to fully be in community with others unless you're fully loving God. You actually can't do this well unless you're fully loving God. You, you're with me. I, I, man, I just want to amen and we walk out and work on all that. Can we just like, <laughs> like, it's just that, just amen, church. Like, God help us. We make it about so many other things. But God goes, just like, just learn to grow in your relationship with others and, and learn to grow in your relationship with me. That, that's, this, let's keep it real simple. That's what it's all about. But how many know as simple as it is, it's really not that simple, right? You with me? Like, there's this thing called, there's this thing called fool's gold, Anyone heard of fool's gold? Well, what you discover is that in life, there's the reality of what is gold, but then there's this thing called fool's gold. There's other things that glitter, but all that glitters is not gold. Amen? So you've got, you've got Sir Martin Frobisher. He's an English privateer who first started mining in Canada and found what looked like gold. And he brought home to England 200 tons of it on three different ships. They were so excited, England so excited, they sent Mr. Frobisher back to Canada with an even larger fleet. He had three ships to begin with, and now he's got every ship he needs at his disposal. He goes to Canada and mines, listen, 1,350 tons of this stuff sends it back to England. England's in waiting. Like, I'm talking, we're going years waiting, months. It's like, a, this is not an easy thing to go and, and mine that much. There's so much on the line. So much of the, of, the, of the kingdom's resources have been put into this endeavor. He comes back with 1,350 tons of this stuff. I'm talking ships are lost in the process. Lives are lost in the, in the process. He gets it all the way to England. They go to melt it down and discover it's not gold. They wasted so much time and energy and life on something that was just pyrite. Fool's gold. You know what they did with it? They actually paved a lot of their streets with it. Like, what do we do with 1,500, 1,350 tons of this stuff? It's just a waste. And my biggest worry for the church today, my biggest worry for you and I, my, my biggest worry as we go into this year is as you set off, listen, I just want to get a, is that you would get distracted by all the things that glitter. Listen, all that glitters is not gold. And if we could do anything for you as a church, it's just to come alongside you. I'm gonna start it here, and you're gonna have to hear me every day that you're here. 
What are we doing every day that we're here? We're going, hey, everybody, don't get distracted. Hey, everybody, although it glitters, it might not be gold. We, we need to keep you focused. Like, if you are going to really, truly be rich, come on, don't be a fool for all the other things that glitter. So, so church, listen, like, can we just talk really quick? Can I, can I just give you some really practical application? We're gonna spend the next couple of weeks talking about how to live this out. Like, how do I genuinely pursue after God with all my heart? Like, how, what does that look like? We'll talk about that. How do I genuinely, in the middle of all this messy church relationship stuff, come on, let's just admit up front, it get messy, right? Oh, is it just me? Never mind, you guys are perfect. How do I do this? Like, I mean, it's one thing to say it on a Sunday, send you home, but we're gonna spend some time actually going, listen, here's the ABCs of this. Like, let's, let's stay here. I'm gonna set you up to have your best year yet, to, to live a life that's truly rich. But all I wanna do today is, is help you just, like, listen, just don't be a fool. <laughs> like, just, just not be foolish. Don't be distracted by the things, the other things that, that glitter. Like Jesus said what matters most, like gold, listen, first of all, it's in each other. Come on, you're looking for gold? You're looking for what? I'm t- you're, sitting, you're sitting next to it. Oh, come on. There's gold all over this room. There's gold all over the church. And Jesus says, listen, it's, it's in each other. So don't be fooled by anything less. Let me explain that really quick. Don't be fooled by anything less. You know, the, the church, the word church, it's, it's ecclesia. It means the called out one. It's it, called out ones. It's, it's people that are bound together. Please hear this. When someone gives their life to Christ, when someone says yes to Jesus, you're not just born again into a vacuum or into a void. You're actually born again to, brought into the body of Christ. You know, 1 first, first Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 says this. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. It says, by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. You know, the baptism of the spirit, when you give your life to Jesus, is into the body of Christ. It says, Jew or Greek, slave or free, no matter what your background is, affluent, non-affluent, here or there. He says, no matter where you come from, when you give your life to Jesus, you're born into the body of Christ, and we're all made to drink of one spirit. In other words, we all share, come on, the same spirit, the spirit of God that now is in us and through it, that God is working in our midst. See, we, you, when you give your life to Jesus, you join a movement. You become part of a kingdom. Let me just break it down to you like you're part of a family. You, whether you like it or not, you're part of a family. Whether you like it or not, you now belong to these people, this, this special people group. And it's the church, that people group, that is the, the focus of God's love and adoration and attention. Is God is trying to draw more people into that people group. You see, it's a family. It's a family. This whole thing God intends to be a we thing. If you didn't intend it to be we thing, you'd get saved into a, you know, isolation. You'd get saved and you're by yourself. No, he just says you're saved into a body. It's meant to be a we thing. You know, the only, that only once, I don't think we understand this in, in Western culture. Only one time in scripture, 
Paul the Apostle says, my Lord and Savior, one time. So we live in a culture where it's like, he's my Lord, my relationship with God, my, 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 my. And I get it, you do have your own personal relationship with Jesus, but that was very, very foreign to the original church. The original church, Paul says, my Lord and Savior, one time. The original church did not see this as a, as a me thing. They saw it as a, as a we thing. We are pursuing after God together. We are doing this thing together. We are walking lockstep with one another. We are pouring into the next generation together. We are raising kids together. We are, we are walking with, we are walking with those young Marys together. We, come on, we are reaching our city together. We, do you see what I'm saying? They saw it like that. There was no other way to think. It wasn't like going to church and then disappear because it's a, it's a me and God thing. No, it's a, it's a we thing. So Paul one time says, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Over 53 times, you know what he says? Our Lord and Savior. Our Lord. And Savior. That's how he talked. That's how he thought about this thing. You know, when Jesus, I want you to, but you've never seen this before, I promise you, because you've never thought about it. But we all know the Lord's Prayer, don't we? Let me show it to you out of, out, of, out of Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. So you know the Lord's Prayer, but now think about it in the context that the early church did not think me, they thought we. So when Jesus is actually teaching us how to pray, how does he teach us to pray? Come on, say it with me. Our Father. Isn't that interesting? Jesus teached me to pray. Here's how you pray. He didn't say, my Father who is in heaven. Come on, watch this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Watch what he, he goes on. Give us this day our, our daily bread. When you were praying before God, you were thinking in the context of, of my family. I'm, 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 you're, he's telling you, pray for your church. Pray for your people to have this. Not just you. See, but we in Western civilization think me. My, my religion, but no, Jesus even taught us our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Do you see? Jesus says it's all about a relationship with God and each other. Just to pray, Jesus, you pray in the context of, of each other. Yes, I get it. Come on, I get it. Yes, you do have a personal relationship with Jesus. But that personal relationship with Jesus thrives in the context of others who are walking with Jesus, thrives in the context of, of thinking of lockstep and, and walking with others who are in the context of Jesus. Do you follow me, church? And so if that's true, and it is, we've got to, listen, don't be fooled by individualism. Come on, just trying to help you. Don't be fooled. You see, your, your, your Western civilization has this God and me approach to spirituality. So, look, I'll, I'll show up to church from time to time. I'll check in here and there. And you don't really put down any roots. What is that? That's because you see church as an institution rather than a people. It's a, it's a, so now I pick a church based on whether I like the music or not. It was the preacher funny or not? Were they, was it good today or not? And if it's not good today, I might go, see, it's, it's, it's institution, institution. But Jesus says, don't think about church as institution. It's, it's people, it's community. And so you don't just, if you see it as an institution, you judge it by its programs. If you see it as a people, you are committed to a people. I'm doing life with the people. I, I, I've heard people say before, you know, I don't really go to church because church isn't about a place, it's about a people. Think about that for a second. 
I, I don't go on Sunday or I don't, go, I don't get around church because it's, it's not about a place, it's about a people. Well, if you really believe it's not about a people, then you would go to church. Why? Because it's not just a, a, a people that you see every now and then, that you check in with every now and then. It's about a people that you do life with, that you walk with, that you, you grow with, the people that you, 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 you put down roots with, a, a people that, come on, you live out the gospel in the context with, you see. But now instead of walking together, there's this, well, here's what's happening right now, is that the people who are designed to thrive in connection are actually falling deeper and deeper into isolation. People who are created to thrive in pursuing God and each other are actually falling deeper and deeper into isolation. And so now, here is the tone mostly in the church. Instead of walking together, we're alone. Instead of being honest, we're being fake. Instead of being genuine, we're hiding. Instead of being open, we're being private. Instead of bearing one another's burdens, we're carrying it on our own. Instead of growing and thriving, we're barely surviving because we've fallen prey to fool's gold, to what's shiny and says, no, look at you don't need others. And matter of fact, uh, your relationship with God, it's a you and God thing. It's just that you, just, you, you, just, you, you do you. You do you and just check in every now and then and, and kind of remain on the fringe and kind of, listen, you can try that, but you'll never thrive in that. Church, you okay? You with me? Okay. I'm just trying to help us. Jesus said, here's the gold. Don't be a fool. Don't fall for fool's gold. You need each other. Man, oh, I've been hurt in the past by the church. I get it. Can you have confessions of a pastor today? You ready? I've been hurt by the church. I'm telling you right now, man, it is not some of the people I have loved the most and given my life to the most were the first to turn around and, and walk away. They're, they're the first to say things that I thought they'd never say. And can I tell you, as a pastor, it hurts. You give your life to people. It hurts. And I hear, I hear people talk about all the time, there's this, can I just address something real quick? Can I just go off notes for a second? Like, I hear a lot of the talk about, in the, in the younger generation, church hurt. I've been hurt by the church, church. I've seen kids, like, wear shirts, say church hurt. I'm like, I mean, just be very careful with this. I get it. I understand it. I understand there's church hurt, right? And, but here's what I'm so worried about and, and a little bit frustrated with, to be honest with you, is that there's just this kind of, you know, I've been hurt by the church. I've been, and, 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 and what happens is we're holding on to this hurt. I'm holding on to this hurt. And the enemy's winning today because we're holding on to hurt. Nothing in scripture promises you that you won't be hurt. I need to help you out. So I've been hurt. I've been hurt. Like, who in this room has not been hurt? Nothing in Scripture promises you that you won't be hurt. But the enemy's winning the day because we're taking that hurt, and instead of actually living out the gospel that forgives the hurt, that finds healing from the hurt, that gets restoration, and instead of living the gospel, we're over here hurting onto our hurt instead of learning how to experience the gospel, which brings healing from hurt. Does that make sense? And so, come on, church, amen. 
And so I know we use that as a reason to say, I can't, I don't want to, ah, it hurts. Scripture says it probably will. There's going to be mess. But if you want to thrive in life, you have got to learn to lean into the mess. You have got to learn to do this thing in a broken environment. That's why scripture says, love one another. How? All the other one another's. Forgive one another. Suffer long with one another. Be patient with one another. Bear with one another. You see, scripture presupposes mess. But what is the gospel if the gospel is not that which frees us from the hurt? If the gospel is not that which helps me to actually live in common unity, not around my hurt, but around my Jesus who heals all my hurts. Not around brokenness, but my Jesus who heals every broken thing. Not around, not around the death in my life, but Jesus who brings dead things to life again. Amen? And so, come on, church. I'm just trying to help you. There's going to be fool's gold that tells you you're better off. Oh, it glitters. Oh, because it's easier by myself. It glitters because, man, I've been hurt. I just want to be by, and, and the enemy just holds it out in front of you. Dig here. Spend time here. But guys, listen, don't be fooled by individualism that's running rampant in the church today. And don't be fooled by, by the substitutes. It's the other one. It's like, don't be fooled by substitutes. I, I think a lot of Christians get fooled by substitutes. Jesus says, pursue a relationship with each other, pursue a relationship with God, but we have substitutes. You know, the, the definition of community, common unity, it's, it's a unity that's meant to be a spiritual unity. It's, it's a that that truly comes alive in the context of, of a spiritual family. And until you have unity with this family, with the body of Christ, you're actually gonna go after some substitutes. So that's why you see people trying to build community with, and the, again, these things aren't wrong, these things aren't bad, but they're just not best. And so I'm gonna try to build community with a, with a sports team. I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna build community as a, as a believer in my, my music world or in my, my hobbies or in my industry or my interests. And I'm gonna build community in these places. And those things, listen, aren't bad things, but they never truly provide the unity that you long for. The unity you long for is a spiritual unity with God as your father and his kids as your brothers and sisters as your common unity around Christ. And it's there and only there that you experience what friendship really can be. And so you can have other friends. I'm going to, but it will always hit a low lid because I can experience something with you that I can't with others. You see, we have a foundation. That's why you could be on the other side of the nation hanging out with someone that doesn't even speak a lick of English and there's, they love Jesus, you love Jesus and I've seen this hundreds of times and you are just connected. Like, man, I just love you. We're just, like, there's this, there's this connection. Why? Because we are one. We have the same spirit of God. We have been brought into a family, and we are family. We are family. Come on. And you long for it. 
Until you have this, you will always, listen, you're gonna try to find it in substitutes. Don't fall for the substitutes. Come on, don't, don't be fooled. Don't be fooled by individualism. Don't be fooled by the substitutes. We need each other. There's where the gold is. The gold is in each other, and the gold is in God as the worship team comes up. The gold is in God. Jesus, it makes it simple. Just focus on this. Focus on, like, so when it comes to the fact that God in God is gold, what are the things, I want you to think about it, what are the things that are going to try to fool you? What are the things that are gonna try to get you when it comes to your relationship with God to get you to move from God? And I need you to understand there will always be things. There will always be things that try to pull you from God. Things that will promise you, here's how it happens, please listen as we close, They're gonna promise you things that only God can give you. Listen, church, what has been promising you the things that only God can give you? Do you know what we call those things? Temptation. Don't be a fool for temptation. Temptation is when our desires pull us from God's desires. Temptation is when those shiny things come up in front of you and say, hey, this is actually better than God. This can actually do more good for you than God. And these things shine in front of you. What is it for you? I need you to understand this. Temptation is always gonna lie to you. It's always going to show up trying to look like God, trying to convince you that it's better for you than what God has for you and tries to convince you, that's what it does, temptation, the root of temptation gets you to believe that God's not really good and this thing is good. Come on, what is doing that in your life today? The power of all temptation is the prospect that it will make me happier than God. So now what happens is, watch, I I become a fool and I cheat. Why do I cheat? I cheat because I'm convinced that cheating is better for me than what God has for me. I become a fool and I I I, I lie. Why do we lie? What is the foundation of even telling a lie? Because I'm convinced. I know God tells me not to lie, but I'm convinced that if I lie, it'll be better for me than what God has for me. It'll work out better for me if I tell this lie. Why do we do anything other than pursue God? Because other things become shinier than God. They convince us that they're gold. So, If I go to this site, it'll make me feel better. I know I shouldn't, but I really think that what God's telling me is robbing me from what I could really be experiencing right now. I think if I go there, it'll make me better. God says not to go there, but I gotta go there because God's not good, this is good. You see, it's gotten me to believe that it's shinier and better than what God is. And so why, why do I go to the site? Well, I I think it'll make me feel better. Why do I use the substance? Oh, it's gonna make me feel better. It's better than what God is telling me, what God has for me. It's shiny. You see, I'm I'm distracted by it. I'm being tempted by it. But I need you to understand this. It lies every time. And it doesn't actually make things better. It makes everything worse. Oh, sure, there might be a momentary sense of betterness, but it always leaves you in a grotesquely deeper spot of worseness. Thank you for the English lesson this morning. I'm telling you, you go in like this, it's promising you this. Come on, are you with me? And you think, instead of walking with God, you're gonna go to this. So you go to it, and where does it leave you? 
a little lower than when you started. And so now you got to, and you go to it, and where does it leave you? A little lower than where you started. And you start because instead of pursuing after God, you're running after temptation. You start digging for yourself a hole. That's why in high school, I had friends that were high all the time. I know you want to laugh, but don't. All the time, why? Because the first time they were told, if I do this, it's made me feel better, and it did for a second. But it left them worse than where they were in the first time. And now, all of a sudden, they've dug such a hole that they've got to be high just to feel normal, just to, just to function, because that's the hole they've dug for themselves. And now, all of a sudden, the pot's not doing it for me anymore. I gotta do something stronger that'll make me, but now that brings me higher, but leaves me even lower. You see, James actually talks about temptation in James 1, and he says, do not, do not uh, underestimate temptation. He says that, that temptation, when it's full grown, when we give into it, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth, what's he say, death. That's what it says in James. Gives birth to death every single time. Don't be fooled, don't be fooled. Church, listen to me. All that glitters is not gold. Don't be fooled. Here's what I want you to rest on today as we leave. God and God alone is good. Nothing else is good. It's okay, maybe some things, but that's not that, but God, God and God alone is good. You have got to come to the place where you decide right now, you realize up front that nothing will ever be better to you than Jesus. That God and God alone can satisfy your thirsty soul. Amen? Should you stand with me for a second? To the woman at the well, she is much like the pioneers in the gold rush looking for gold. And she's going from one guy to the next guy, to this guy, to that guy, only to find that in them there was no gold. And so she finds herself hurt. She finds herself broken. She goes to the, to the, to the well, and Jesus says to her this. Jesus says, if you drink of this well, you will thirst again. If you keep going to the fool's gold of this world, if you keep running to the temporal things to try to satisfy an eternal desire, if you keep going there, you will always come up short. If you drink of this water, you will thirst again. But if you drink of me, what I have to offer you, out of your innermost being will flow torrents of living water. If you learn to not be distracted by all the foolish things of this world, you will find life. You will find hope. You will find freedom. You will find strength. You will be set free. You will be rich. You will. You will. And some of you right now, maybe for the first time ever, are realizing you've spent a whole lot of time in pursuit of things that just are not worthy of your pursuit, that will never actually give you what it is you desire. And today I want to tell you, you don't have to be a fool any longer. Jesus is waiting to give you life and life more abundantly. As a church, we are going to set off on a voyage, a journey of going deeper with each other. Hey, it's crew week, everybody. Come on. I mean, if you're not in a crew, why do we do crews? We are just trying to give you a place where you could actually live this out. It doesn't always happen on a Sunday morning. 
So here's my challenge. Every single one of you, find a crew this week. I mean, we got a whole bunch of them. I want all of them full. Try it. Come on, we got one season of cruise. I mean, I, I think it's like five, like, it's every other week for the next, you know, 10 weeks. It's like five times. Like, just go to the next five. Just go. And, and then report back to me on how it went. I promise you, you will be better in 10 weeks than you are right now if you just do this. Get to a crew. Amen? Get to a crew. Hey, isn't it interesting? You can sign up for a crew on your way out. Okay. On our website. Go there. And some of you need to start here. Like that woman coming in Jesus. Church, should we pray with me? God, we thank you that in you is life and life more abundantly. Gosh, Lord, we, we spend so much time. We waste so much time on things that are not worthy. God, would you help us today? God, I pray for anyone in here that's been focused on pointing their life in the direction of, of places that God have never satisfied, never will. I pray today they realize they need to turn to you. And God, right now, I pray that many in this place, in this room and listening online would turn to you. Listen, if that's you, if you know you need to come to Jesus today, you know you need to stop running down the roads you've been running, let, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to turn to Jesus. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us, we've all gone our own way, done our own thing. We've all wandered down those roads. We've all tried to find riches and things that are not riches. But today, you need to come to Jesus. The, the Bible says that we've, we've all sinned. We've all ran down those directions. And the wages of that is death. It always brings forth death. The separation from God in the here and now and one that will last for all eternity if it's not dealt with in the here and now. And that's why Jesus came. He went to the cross and on the cross gave his life so that you can be forgiven, so that you can be washed and cleansed and brought back into what we talked about relationship with God and with the body of Christ. Some of you need to take a step into that family today with God as your father and all these people around you as your brothers and sisters. You need to be forgiven. You need to be washed. If that's you, I'm going to lead you in a word of prayer. Prayer is simply talking to God. I'll give you the words. You're going to surrender your life to Jesus today. If that's you, come on. Here's what you say. Tell him. God, I thank you that you love me right where I am but I know that you've got more for me. And so today, I choose to surrender my life to you. I thank you for going to the cross on my behalf, giving your life in my place so that I can live. God, would you fill me with your spirit? God, thank you for rising again from the grave to lead me into life. Would you be my Lord? Would you be my Savior? And help me to walk with you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone agreed together and said a good hearty. Come on, church, let's celebrate with all those that made that decision today. Come on. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Citizens Church. It's our prayer that through this message, God would impact and inspire your life. If you have any questions for us or would like to let us know how God is using these messages in your life, please let us know by sending an email to connect at citizenschurch.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online and help in seeing more lives changed through the work here at Citizens Church. Thank you so much for joining us. Gotta, gotta